Hello everyone and welcome to Fireside Friends. This is episode 21. I'm Mark Prasad and with me are my co-hosts Alan Ibrahim. Anime boyfriend here, let's go fishing. And Katie Murray. <laughs> Hello! I'm sick. Katie's sick. <laughs> Katie's riding We're a skateboard. All... Katie's riding a skateboard and she's sick. Yeah, I'm ill. <laughs> We're ill. all ill here. Uh, due to the events of the past couple weeks, we are all ill on the inside, but that's okay. We're still here. We're still doing the podcast. Uh, joining us for this episode uh, from the No Totally podcast, we have Sean Lau, right? Correct. Uh, okay, let me redo that. That's me. Let no, me redo that. Fine. Sean Lau. See, but you did it wrong now because the, the you know how Chinese is a it's a language wait. where you have to like emphasize and things with oh, the no. thing. Oh no! Wait. So when you said it as Lao, oh, that was actually more accurate. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding about that. <laughs> Don't be racist. <laughs> Completely owned by Sean. Oh my god! But uh, thank you for <laughs> thank you for having me, so I can just abuse uh, your your uh, psyche. How are you doing, Sean? I'm I'm doing okay. as okay as you can be yeah. uh, in this time oh, and place. Boy. But yeah, yeah, I'm very happy Don't to be here. It. I can tell you, uh, we're happy to have you here. It's I wanted yeah. I've wanted this to happen for a while, and now it's actually happening. So yeah, it's good that you it's good that you waited or not waited. I think it, it's good that like it didn't work out before now because mm-hmm. apparently I'm like famous or something. Huh. I had I, the first time you asked me, I had like less than a thousand followers on Twitter, and now I have like three thousand or something. Whoa. Oh, geez! And I really? don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what is happening. Huh. Well, dang. I, I don't know why or what. Uh, do you know that website, The Establishment? I do. I've heard of it. Yes. Yeah, the founder followed me earlier today, like for no reason. Huh. Yeah. You're blown cool. up. Okay. I am blowing up. I don't don't know why. All it took was was an authoritarian fascist getting into office, and now all of a sudden people are like, "Hey, this stuff he's saying about racism and white people are true." Weird, right? <laughs> I never noticed. That's all before. it took. Yeah. Let's do. Let's just constantly do this, people. Let's just constantly put everybody's lives in danger, yeah. so that I can get more Twitter followers. That's a good plan. Yeah. I'm down for yeah. that. <laughs> I don't. I, I see no downside. It's like the end of Watchmen, except instead of world peace, Sean gets more Twitter followers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Really, the the most admirable goal. Yep. Just be like something that Alan Moore wrote. Ugh, don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, what has everybody been up to? I guess. Uh, I guess we've all need some sort of escapism this week. I'm assuming. Yeah. Unless you've just been staring at Twitter all day, which is I wouldn't recommend. Uh, <laughs> does anybody want to talk about what they've been up to? Anyone? <laughs> Anyone? Anyone? I'm really desperate right now to think about anything else. Wait, let me. I... Okay, I'll get I'll get mine out of the way. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. No. Yeah, that's good. Guess goes first. Let's do that. <laughs> mine. Because mine is sad, and so hopefully oh, the no. people after me can can lighten it up a little bit. I have full on leaned into being on Twitter all day. Oh god! And so yeah, uh, it's a dark time. Uh, but I 
like I said, like I've been tweeting about things like, you know, Japanese American internment camps for years and like nobody gave a shit mm -hmm. until a few days ago. Uh, so, you know, and like I'm just seeing so much ignorance and so much uh, bullshit coming. Like I, I keep my feed pretty clean. Like I'm not going to see a lot of stuff that's coming from like obvious trolls and you know, extreme right-wing neo-Nazi type people. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what I'm seeing is coming from, like, liberal white America. Just having no idea, like, what happened with internment camps and why they were bad and why they were an obvious farce. And, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, today, like, I tweeted something out about um, how uh, the journalist Kurt Eichenwald had tweeted about uh, uh, there being... Trump did some kind of thing to offend uh, Japanese leaders. And then there are people like one of them, their name is like social justice warrior Megatron or something like that. All right. Okay. And like, okay. And, and they were like, oh yeah, wait till, wait till the Japanese hear about what that dude said about internment camps. And I was like, the Japanese people in Japan have nothing to do with Japanese <laughs> Americans. Like, that's fucking racist. Uh, but oh it's like a total, like everybody, everybody, not just, you know, people on the quote unquote bad side. Like I've been dealing with like middle aged liberal white dudes like mm -hmm. almost all day in my mentions mm -hmm. because like they they don't understand shit. And then when like when they ask a question that uh, it shows some level of ignorance and I try to be nice to them, they like immediately start attacking Um well, because they just believe that they're smarter than me or something. Weird. Why people think weird. they're better than us? That's weird. It's it's almost like it's almost like they think that they are uh, some kind of supremeness due to their skin color. Weird. Some kind of supremacy. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, that's 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 what I've been doing. I'm leaning in. Uh, I am. I'm. Tr <laughs> I'm trying really hard not to like want to die all the time. Yeah. By by tweeting. <laughs> Woof. Yeah. God. Yeah. Seeing watching white people just be white people has <laughs> been so yeah. annoying. Oh yeah. Uh white I feel like I was, not. Uh, go ahead, Alan. I was just gonna say I feel like Thanksgiving is gonna be real challenging. Uh, oh doing, doing this in person, yeah. you know? Because I don't want to yeah. be the person that's just like, I don't want to not say anything, but at the same time, I don't want to start a fight because it's my family and I do love them. It's like, it's going to be a challenge um, mm -hmm. going forward in general, not just on Thanksgiving. You know, that's not the end of We don't end racism on Thanksgiving. Um, right. <laughs> oh, that'd be nice. But we did end it last episode with Zootopia. Yeah, yeah we did. That was the end of it. So there's no more. We're in a oh, post-racial wow. ra post world. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How good was that movie, by the way? Yeah, it's pretty um, good. Yeah. Pretty okay. When you're not looking into the race metaphor, it's great. But then when you it's think like, about it for right. a second, you're yeah. like, what the fuck? It's true. It's true. My first movie about racism, Fisher-Price edition. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. The Leapfrog presents racism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to mention this later, but I guess we're here now. Uh, when one of my class, and I, I think I wrote about this. There was two separate incidents. I wrote about one of them. But... Uh, I was in a class like the day after the election and a white person who voted Democrat uh, was talking to someone who was who voted Trump and she was like, you know, I respect your decision, 
but I don't agree with it. I was like, fuck off. Come on. <laughs> Sit for something I don't for once in your life. Come on. Yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, no stakes. I mean, that's the thing. Like, the, they exactly. certain people can totally, like, afford to disagree rather yeah. than being, like, horrified. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, like, <clears throat> even on my side, like, uh, I'm a part of this Facebook group that's for like people who are in the who are queer and like in the hardcore scene. It's got the cutest name. It's out of the closets and into the pit. And nice. Basically, like race stuff has been blowing up in that group ever since the election. And people are like, look, even if you're white and you're queer, you got to choose being queer over being white, at least in this group, because we're not going to tolerate racists and anybody who's racist is getting deleted and uh like especially with the ghost of the shell um live action trailer being released people have been fighting over that because white dudes are like look i'm happy about scar joe and then all the asian people are like no please (laughs) so yeah yeah that's a can of worms we'll see we'll push this can of worms to the side and open it later yes (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but right now, I want to talk about Overwatch. They updated Overwatch. Ooh. They added a new character, Sombra, which is Spanish for Shadow. I just learned five minutes ago, googling it. Uh, she's a, <laughs> she's a Mex- she's from Mexico. She's Mexican, which I don't know how intentional that is. I'd like to think it's somewhat intentional, uh, considering mm-hmm. the political climate. Uh, and she's a hacker, which is really great. Because Watch Dogs 2 also came out this week, and so I have I now have an excuse to shout acting uh, while I'm playing Overwatch. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, I really like playing as her. I played a few games uh, as Sombra, and I really like what I've played. Uh, she's really mobile. Uh, she moves around the map really quickly when she's invisible, uh, and that's on like a cooldown timer. So it's one of her abilities, and then she can hack people. She can hack people who don't even have computers. It just mm. shuts down their ability. It's really, I don't know. She's a cool character. Um, sort of worried about how overpowered she is, though I haven't had much complaints yet. Uh, but she's really cool. Um, uh, I can see the fandom uh, grasping onto her, uh, her being a brown uh, woman and... Obviously, they're going to be the people who like to draw queer fan art, which I'm all for. Uh, so I'm excited for that. But uh, yeah, put more brown women in your games, please, because it's, it's cool. Um, I'm really digging all the changes they've made. Uh, they've made it so uh, when you're playing quick play, you don't, uh, you cannot pick more than one character on a team, which balances things out. Uh, even though that's, you know, if you want to do multiple characters to a team, you can uh, pick that as a separate mode. And, uh, yeah, that's Overwatch. That's pretty cool. I still think about the picture that you post on Twitter every once in a while of uh, Farah in, like, business attire. Yes. I, like, constantly think about that. It's so good. Overwatch fan community is good. Mostly. (laughs) Sorry. That's what I want want to put that to ellipsis. Yeah. Yeah. And... I'm going to get into hey, Overwatch soon. What's the hold on that? one second. Oh. I need to stop this recording. Now I'm on my regular mic. Hey. What? The first <laughs> oh, half no! of the podcast is going to sound weird. It's cool. 
Okay. Oh, this is a mess. All right. <laughs> My life. What's, uh, what's everybody else been up to? Katie, what's up? What's up, Katie? All right. So, as usual, I have been watching the anime. Um, So, I briefly want to touch on, I guess, like, queer representation in anime that's been happening lately, which I think is the coolest thing this season. So... First of all, I'm going to bring back Magical Girl Raising Project that I talked about a few episodes ago um, because it has a canon lesbian relationship and it's really neat. They live together. They're totally together and they're a team. It's two girls. They're kissing and hugging. And I think that's amazing because I am so tired of just subtext in anime. I'm ready for, for like a real relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you also, said you said canon lesbian. Like I <laughs> got a mental image of like a canon <laughs> in bed yes. with a with a woman. Yes, yes. Okay. That that okay. is what I'm talking about. Canon oh, so. <laughs> hyphen lesbian relationship. Yes, very that's much pretty so. awesome. Okay, um, all right. I'm I'm for that. So, besides that, um. We're going to talk about a little bit Yuri on Ice. Yes, 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 um, yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry. Because, I heard that the ice skaters were gay. Yes, they are gay. And I feel like it's really awesome, again, like just bringing about the fact that a lot of like gay relationships in anime tend to just be limited to subtext or queer baiting and stuff. And nothing ever happens explicitly between the two characters it's just up for interpretation so they don't have to fully commit to um creating a gay relationship mm-hmm. so the ice skating boys did kiss and it wasn't in like a oh haha i accidentally kissed you and this is disgusting fashion it was like that was really surprising and super nice and they gaze at each other lovingly and i'm like thank you thank you Please make them kiss more. And uh, and I'm really excited to see where the show goes from here because that was something that was super positive for me. And um, I always really like it to see, you know, gay people in shows. I mean, because that's cool. That's mm-hmm. uh, It's like, hey, look, it could be me. And I'm here for that. So You're really right. proud. Twitter definitely blew up when that happened. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it did. I was like, why is everybody talking about the skating anime again? And yeah, then, you yeah. did tweet that. <laughs> so. yep. I should have known. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt of why people are freaking out on Twitter, did a fascist become president or did the boys kiss <laughs> one way or the other? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what about you, Alan? What's up with you? Well, Ryan, I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> I've been uh, kind of pulling from a bunch of different uh pop culture wells in the last couple weeks just try to try and like kill time and not think about the outside world because things have been rough um so i watched yuri on ice that shows the best and honestly i want to just like really emphasize this because i I know that most of the people who listen to the show are very cool with liking something just because it's queer as heck but also yuri on ice is like a really great emotional sports drama like it's so yes gay and then at the same time i'm riveted by the story and i want to know who's going to win and it like teaches you about how skating is judged and great and how people prepare for skating competitions it's so it's so holistically amazing um definitely one of the best shows of this season for me at least 
Um, also, yes, the boys kissing was like, I did a little bit of crying, but I digress. <laughs> um, <laughs> other things. I'm still I'm still finishing up Cowboy Bebop, which I mentioned last time. Um, I'm towards the end. That show is still tops, top a notch, top everything. Uh, gosh, what else is going on? Well, I've been listening to a lot of music, going for a lot of sad walks. That kind of helps make the blues go away uh, by listening to other people have the blues. Um, <laughs> yeah. Specifically, just trying to listen to more like uh, people of color because I I do listen to plenty of rap music, but there's also like, you know, <laughs> people of color are in every genre of music. There's no denying that. Like they're and it's amazing. Like I've been listening to Charles Bradley lately, who is a, a artist who who does this like really soulful, beautiful, um, like crooning kind of music. Um, and he has an album from 2011 called No Time for Dreaming, that is just it's heart wrenching. Like he has a song. And this came out, again, like I said, in 2011, called Why Is It So Hard Living in America? <laughs> and it's just, it's everything. And it's too, it's painfully, powerfully relevant to to me and the people that I, I hold close in my life uh, right now. And I, I don't know, there's just something about music that, like, lifts my spirits to, like, feel that empathy and feel that pride in, in our mutual sort of, like, discomfort, you know? because i don't want to feel alone that's a part big reason why i came back to twitter before the election actually was like i don't want to feel like i'm the only person who feels terrible and mm-hmm. i'm not saying that you know we need to feel better right now and i don't think that's true and i'm not saying that misery is good i'm just saying that you know the classic outage misery seeks company applies and music like that music like uh just even some like sad white boy music sometimes hits the spot <laughs> you know any i'll yeah. take i'll take what i can get to feel better basically um yeah and i've been trying to get to a point where i can level out and feel content um i'm not there yet but you know every day is a, is a step in, in in a direction you know yeah mm-hmm. music is good is music it? is good <laughs> it can be i think it is well I mean, I went um, to a concert on the day of the election, so I very much empathize. Because but, uh, as the insult- results were like coming in, I was like, I'm just going to put my phone down and enjoy these bands and try not to think about it too much. And then the ride home was just silence in the car and crying. So yeah, there's yeah. that. <laughs> oh, it's tough, but... It's it's the things that make me it's my creature comforts that, that keep me going at this point and my friends and my family it's that kind of music even just like I've been, I I listened to the whole Outcast discography recently just to like remember what uh, black people have contributed to music in the past two decades it's like yes this is this is exactly where I want music to go and people need to learn from this type of music this is like everything I like you know I was always from a, a lot of my like college years I was way into more like electronic stuff and way more white people music if you will uh <laughs> i don't know if that's like not cool to say <laughs> um but like embracing embracing different different groups and different uh types of, of songs and kind of inhabiting that and, and loving it is it's what's been getting me through this honestly nice um <clears throat> what okay pokemon starter which one which team are you all on Poplio, <laughs> what are you saying Whoa. I'm Alan. so happy for Poplio. Alan, take a stance. It's Poplio, of course it's Poplio. Yeah, I am so. Who was it? Like Nick Robinson recently, who who was like, uh, if someone names their Poplio after Poplio after me, I'm gonna come after them and take their 3ds. And I'm like, no, it's my son. Don't hurt my baby boy, <laughs> my beautiful water boy. 
Sean, do you know what the fuck we're talking about? <laughs> Not completely. Right, well, let, me find, <laughs> let me find the page with Pokemon starters on it. A new Pokemon uh, game came out today, and uh, there's a lot of discussion about who's the best starter. Well, yeah. Poplio's glow up is real. But also, like, he's just a nice, silly boy, and I love him a lot, as he is. And he evolved into a beautiful dancer. Like, yes. Uh, whatever. Rowlet's a funny owl, and then evolves into a teenage boy. Like, every every starter has to have a middle evolution that looks like a dumb teen, and then they evolve into, like, <laughs> a weird bird. Whatever. This is yeah. po- we're getting, like, deep into Pokemon talk. I don't need to... I'm not going to hijack this discussion. <laughs> cool, cool hoodie bird with arrows. Ghost man. His Z-move is a tactical missile strike. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> All right. Sean, I just linked it in the chat. Yeah, tell us which one you think is uh, cutest. <laughs> cutest? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't which tell one would you pick? Don't tell him which oh, one is which. Just, yeah. I don't uh, see it. Is it. It should be in the chat. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. This is a good way to do this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I know which ones are which now, kind of, because they've been described. But I like the cat dude. No! That's Litton. Oh, whatever. <laughs> you know what? Litton's fine. Litton right. turns into, like, a pro wrestler. Is that supposed to dissuade me? or No, no. that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. A- apparently it's this... purely informational. Apparently this region was based on my home state uh, yep. of Hawaii. Nice. So there oh, you go. Yeah, yeah, the Alola region. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as we say in Hawaii, Alola. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody says that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rowlet, motherfuckers. But... Rowlet, no, all of you are wrong. No. The owl. The owl's the cutest, clearly. I like Rowlet, but I like uh, Primarina the best. Yeah, Primarina. As, yep. as the final evolution. But also, I was Team Rowlet for a solid amount of time. Poplio is just a good name. It's fun to say. I know. Look how That's much fun too. Poplio is having. <laughs> Don't you wish you were having that much fun? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Pokemon. We're going to talk about Pokemon in the future probably again just because we're going to have played the, some of us are going to have played the game. Uh, yep. But for now. I just wanted excited. to get that out of the way so people know Dude, where yep. we stand. Yes. Litten. Lit- Litten is the name. Yep. Yes. <laughs> That's a cool name. He's lit. Litten. He's a lit He's kitten. Lit. <laughs> it's fucking litten. <laughs> Fire emoji. <laughs> That's all of that is me. Yeah. Well, all, all of that is me. The cat. The aspect, fire. The fire aspect. <laughs> I'm gonna buy this game just to fucking represent <laughs> all you all you haters. Jeez. Ugh. Ryan, I, don't I know just if this really was relate a good idea. to be careful who you call ugly in middle school. So, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm with Poplio there. <laughs> I'm doing a Google image search for Litten. <laughs> a lot of good fan art already. Yeah, I can see it. That's uh, this is amazing. Oh, uh, okay. There's a lot of uh, sexy human. Female littens. Um, yes, that's uh, the, right. that well, okay, is a uh, trademark of um, unfortunate <laughs> Pokemon fandom. I don't know. Okay. All right. Okay. Rule. What is it? Rule thirty-seven. Thirty-four. Thirty-four. Thank you. 
You had that immediately, Katie. I was like, I'm going to wait. I've been on the internet for a while. (laughs) 30, yeah. 37 is prime. It's like, it's a prime number. It's like one of my favorite numbers. Right. So that's something that people don't know about me. I'm like super into prime numbers for no reason. I mean, they're prime numbers. They're pretty They're fucking prime. prime. They're fucking lit. Yep. I'm swearing a lot. Is lit, that fine? Like, is that okay? Yeah, that's totally I fine. Care, okay. Too. All right. Fucking lit. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> well, on that note, let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back to talk about the ghost in the shell. Uh, mm. We'll be right back. Why did they cast Scarlett Johansson in Ghost in the Shell? I don't know. I Whenever I watched it this time, I was like... She's so clearly an Asian character. Like, that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> it let's, takes let's place in Japan. Person... <sighs> Makoto Kusanagi is a white person name. <laughs> yep. Today I learned. Uh, racism. <laughs> okay, that's so the that, answer. That's an easy... Okay, that's a question that makes sense. So, okay, then let's... There are arguments on both sides. Not for that. Fuck that. It's because they're racist. <laughs> there are arguments on both sides of the Iron Fist debate that I'm curious about talking about. Oh, yeah, sure. Because I, you know, the whole, like, the character was white originally is dumb. Because they Marvel is the same group of people who made Captain America black, who made Thor a woman, who made Iron Fist a young black girl. Or no, Iron, Iron, or Iron, Iron Man. Man. Sorry. Yep, young black uh, girl. So that argument is invalid. Well, well but even, like, uh, yeah, I agree with you, but just to kind of put this in there as well like they in in the movies they don't follow like nowhere else in the mcu does any character follow the exact path from the comics right like yes. the mcu is a completely separate universe it's considered uh, like like for example in marvel universe there's different worlds so like the canon yeah. world is earth 616 and the marvel cinematic universe is like another one of those right exactly so, I think. yeah mm-hmm. 37. 37 i'm going with 37 <laughs> <laughs> or some Gotta other get it number. in somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then also, there's arguments to be made that uh, casting Iron Fist as an Asian character can feel like tropes because it's just like, oh, the mystical Asian character who knows Kung Fu. Sure. Well, that was the argument against uh, the Ancient One in mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so the answer is just write a better character that's not a fucking stereotype. You know, like, these people, they get paid... What was it? Max Landis recently sold a script for like three mil or something like that. Ugh. Like they get paid a fair amount of money to write good shit. Right. And like the the executives, they'll take a look at the script and they'll be like, OK, so this is either good and we'll buy it or it's not good and we're not going to buy it. And the criteria they use are, you know, within the heads of the executives, like the criteria is like, well, how many tits can we show? And like how, you know, like just all kinds of stupid bullshit. The criteria is not like oh, this is a sensitive portrayal of Asian people because, like, they've never had to consider that metric before. So when white people, you know, like the writers of Doctor Strange talk about how, well, we couldn't have done this any other way, when you get paid millions of dollars to write shit, like, you actually better be good at it. Like, yeah. instead of making the excuse that we're not imaginative or good enough writers to have done this properly. Or that Asian people aren't good enough actors to cast in movies. Yeah. But so, like, I think that the idea of the trope, like, 
I I don't see anything specifically tropish about an Asian person who knows martial arts. Right. It's all it's all in what you do with that character at that point and what you do with the backstory and all that kind of stuff. Because like there are there are actual Asian Americans who know multiple martial arts. And yet we also have like full complex personalities and humanities, despite the fact that we are Asian and no martial arts. You know what I mean? So like it just none of these excuses make a lot of sense to me. Like I I feel like from a white person standpoint, it's like, yeah, make sure that you never, you know, make a black person a criminal, for for example, right? Right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. then if you watch The Wire, like it's ninety nine percent of well, the characters altogether, ninety nine percent of them are, are criminals. Yeah. By design. But like I don't think a lot of people would make the argument that that show dehumanizes any of its characters really quite the opposite i mean there are a few yeah see, and that's the thing is like you you see the teenage drug dealer but you see everything else as well uh so that's that's what i think i mean if if they write a stereotype and then put an asian uh actor or actress in that role then then yeah then they are fulfilling a stereotype but it's it's not like they're making it seem like it's the world outside that's the problem where as a matter of just fact, really, like they themselves are the problem. I was talking to my friend who's actually with me right now, my friend Colin, and we were talking about how, like, if you're a young Asian boy, for example, what who is out there in pop culture for you to love? Like, like give me like a list of like 10. And I'm not saying like we need to hit a threshold. I'm just saying like there's just so little and there's so little that's good when, when there is some there's not enough. And it breaks my heart to know that there's, like, characters... You can be a white dude out there and be like, I love every Marvel guy, you know? But, like, who's mm-hmm. there for the young Asian children out there? Sean Lau. <laughs> Did it. That's it. Did it. This guy, so many Twitter followers, <laughs> unbelievable. No, I... There isn't. There's nobody. Like, that's... That's people are that like fresh the on the boat problem. solved racism. You're like, no fucking stop. It's oh one my show. God. I got to tell you, like a really like a white friend that I've that I've known since high school asked me when that show came out, like, you know, are are you happy about this? Is this a good show and whatever? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, it, it's 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 a good show. I enjoy watching it. But like my life is nothing like that show. Like my parents were not immigrants. My great grandparents were immigrants, you know, like. Mm-hmm. It's just it's really funny to to think that like even people I've known for so long kind of like they see that this show has Chinese people in it. And actually what I said to him was like um, because he asked like, you know, do you feel well represented now? Like, do you think this is a good thing? And I was like, well, um, I watched all of Breaking Bad. So do I know how (laughs) white people act now? (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) um, yeah. It's it's an it's a niche like anything else. Like it's mm-hmm. that that show is focused specifically on one family, in the same way that Breaking Bad is focused on you know like a dozen people, um, that don't necessarily have anything to do with the white race overall. So exactly, yeah. It's um I I don't see anybody. Uh, I I am trying to think. Like I I don't see anybody who I relate to at all. Um. Like I, I grew up basically feeling like I wanted to be like Peter Parker and Marty McFly. Yeah, exactly. The white dudes. And right. Yeah. And the thing is, like, if you try to be that, like, 
well, the heartbreaking part is that people won't won't engage with you in that way. Yep. You know what I mean? Like everybody gets to be like the hero of their own story and whatever. And people treat you, you know, people are going to treat you differently based on what you look like, whatever. But like if I, um, I'm trying to think, I, I know that when I was young, for example, I had a friend who hurt himself on the playground. He got like a cut above his eye because he fell off of something and we uh like when we tried to get help from like a teacher or whatever it was just kind of assumed that like that like i was not the person who was like trying to get him help you know what i mean like a crowd of kids had mm-hmm. kind of gathered around and it was like it was like this white taller boy who was like oh you know you you helped him and you saved his whatever he's he, he might have bled out you know it's like totally over dramatic but like in the world of hollywood I would be a bystander in that situation. I would just be like a witness. And that's like how this played out in real life too, you know? Um, right. So it's not even so much that like, <sighs> it's not even so much because as an adult, it's, it's, I'm not necessarily looking for heroes at this point, but just the fact that when I go out into the world, people are going to engage with me based on, what they think like the people that they've encountered and that yep. they may not have encountered Asian people in real life. So they're going to be thinking about the Asian people in film and, uh, and it's, it's never going to be, you know, someone who has that full range of, of humanity. <clears throat> it's, it's like a fundamental problem with Hollywood. Cause I was even talking to my parents last night and, uh, just being like, Hey, why are there no, Z- literally zero well portrayed Arabs in film in American film and they were like and they just laughed and they were like the last time a director tried doing that he was literally assassinated in the 70s there was a guy who was a producer uh, I can't remember his name and I'm not going to try to pronounce it even though I do speak Arabic but he he like right at the end of his, ter- his career at the very tail end he started to speak out and say hey it seems like a lot of you are afraid of putting Arabs in your film and not making them either cartoon foreigners or terrorists and he and his family were assassinated because that's also like he was, you know, in politics as well. But you're, we're just wiped out. And anyone that tries yeah. to come out as that is just like ignored. Because the, the, the really frustrating thing is like half of the cool actors, you know, in Hollywood are actually part Arab and part Syrian, like part my, my, the country that my family's from. And they don't talk mm. about it. Vince Vaughn, uh, Selma Hayek, both Syrian Lebanese folk. Uh, I could, I, re- I ran down a list of like 30 last night with someone and, it's just like no none of them can say that and none of them can play those characters because it's absolutely prohibited and that terrifies me that there's no one in no medium for me uh and i that's why i've been thinking like maybe i should just make a game maybe i should just make a twine game with a good arab character uh because i'm just so tired yeah 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 that's definitely i mean uh i know uh lexi alexander is working on something yep uh, which sounds amazing, but like, yeah, I mean, that's obviously not out yet. And even then, it would only be one, one thing, person, right? One like thing. you were saying, right. yeah. I mean, that's totally relatable as a Native person because, yeah. like, when it comes to, you know, Native Americans in film, it's always like, oh, look, we do dances around a fire and yeah. stuff. And, like, I don't know. I do appreciate one show, one TV show is uh, Longmire that tends to actually be like real life and pretty cool and it has tons of native people but other than that like (laughs) and even then longmire's main character is just a it it is a white dude that's the main character it's not native people and then like you know you got like johnny depp playing a native dude 
Okay, so like, <laughs> first of all, his his appearance is based off of this another white guy who paints native people, and it's like, why couldn't you have just talked to actual native people Seriously. instead of a white dude who just paints native people? But you know. <sighs> My parents love the Big Bang Theory, which hurts. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, so there's that. <laughs> I can't think of much else. I mean, Slumdog Millionaire. I yes. guess. Yeah. If you want, do that we like to Slumdog count? Millionaire? I like that movie. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I like the music a lot. I haven't seen it since it came out, so I don't know. Okay, it's decent, but like in my opinion, but it's not like it necessarily uh, like. It has its pitfalls as far as um, how it portrays people, yeah, I think. of course. And we're back, and we're here to talk about the 1995 film Ghost in the Shell, directed by Mamoru Oshii, and it's based on the manga by... Uh, Masamune Shiro. Uh, we had a really hard time coming up with a movie to watch, and I think, I think I just saw the trailer for the new Ghost in the Shell drop, and I was like, we should just watch the old one. Uh, and I knew that we were gonna have Sean on the show anyway, so yeah, that's how we ended up here. Yeah. Uh, Sean, I assume you've seen this before, right? Why do you, you assume seen... that? Is is it because, because I'm I've, I've Japanese? Seen, no, I'm not is trying to be racist. I'm not trying to be racist. I'm not trying to be racist. Is it no, because... I'm, <laughs> I'm sweating. I just see you talk about it on Twitter a lot. Yeah, uh, I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Not totally, if you will. Yes. <laughs> uh, what do you think of this movie? What are your thoughts? Why are you asking me this? first? Are you asking because... I, I usually ask guests... To first for their opinions i'm sorry i'm sorry to be aiming this at you because i love you Ryan. but at the same time this is so cathartic <laughs> yeah it's okay it's okay if you take it off i'm an easy target uh i uh, if you know my opinion on blade runner which is that i don't think that that's like that great of a movie um i i feel sort of the same way about this one because there's just something about like the artificial consciousness deal that I'm not uh, like a huge fan of. Sure. And I don't know why. Um mm. but I do like some of the some of the other entries in the series. Like I like the second movie a lot more than the first one. Mm. And also the um the series, the standalone complex series I really like. Uh but this one is it's good. It's okay. It's mm-hmm. it's okay. There's a lot of nudity in it, uh, robot nudity. Yeah, yeah. That they're that yeah. they're not going to have in the movie because, um, money. I don't know. What? Robots yeah. don't have nip knobs. Well, they do in in this movie. I in know, the, but in, in the, the live cartoon, action, when they don't. <laughs> I'm a robot. I can confirm no, this. No nip knobs. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's nothing scarier than a nip knops on a woman uh in a movie apparently i don't know yeah what about you alan what are your thoughts on this film well existentialism you know 
Uh, this is another one of those anime films that we watch where I'm like, wow, every American film that I liked as a kid did try doing this and didn't do it as well. Like, The Matrix is kind of just Ghost in the Shell uh, in a lot of ways. And the whole, like, separating yourself from your consciousness. Um, if I have any negative critique of this movie, it's that it spends a lot of time. Uh, and I love the quiet moments in anime in general. I think that's, like, a thing that's unique to that genre is the ability to, like, hang on a moment and leave a still frame running while people talk. Uh, but there's just so many scenes of the major and uh, their partner talking about the body and the consciousness and the difference between the ghost and the shell, if you will, uh, that it gets in the way of what I otherwise think is also a really entertaining action film. Like, I, I loved every fight scene, every, like, combat scene, and I appreciate the things that it has to say about the separation of consciousness and self. And I think the ending is really interesting from sort of a uh, thematic standpoint, but... Uh, I felt I spent a lot of this movie just kind of being like, I got, we're just talking about stuff and then stuff happens. <laughs> and then we just continue to talk about stuff. But I definitely, like I love the world and I definitely think that um, I would watch another movie in this world. So I'm very interested in seeing like what they did with this world in the TV, in the show and obviously the other films film. Mm-hmm. What about you, Katie? Um, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. There's always a, uh... This sort of aesthetic that I tend to appreciate when it comes to like late 80s and 90s anime where it's like the, I don't know how to describe it. It's very futuristic, but also old at the same time and kind of grotesque at points. Um, I do like how it looks. Yep. Unfortunately, I watched this English dub this time. Oh, no. uh, Me too. We can get into that. Let me say, that was painful. Painful. (laughs) I hate dubs. And I don't know why I was like, you know what? I'm going to switch it up and watch a dub this time. Because, um, yeah, I feel like that colored a lot of uh, my understanding. Because I'm like, this does not sound like... Talk about a movie with cyborgs. This sounds like uh, the e-reader machine. I don't know. Anyway. (laughs) um, Yeah. I I can't tell if that was intentional or not, though. uh, Probably not, because when it comes to, like, English dubs over Japanese media, they tend to just be really subpar because there's... I don't know. It's like they don't understand uh, human inflection. So... Yeah, I think especially with Bato, it's really noticeable. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, that delivery delivery is so wooden. Um, And he... I think it's the same guy who dubs in English for all of the Ghost in the Shell related media. So you can't escape him if if um, mm-hmm. if you're yeah. trying to watch other Ghost in the Shell stuff. He's uh, always dubbed. there. Yeah, and it's just oh. so... <laughs> ugh. But um, I don't know. I think it has... Obviously, like, it's food for thought and it's interesting things to say uh, about, like, human consciousness and what exactly defines humans um, and humanity. One thing I do actually like is that um, typically when there is uh, visuals in some sort of media, it's for visual purposes. Like, oh, here's a nice song background when we're going to take you over all of this art and show you a bunch of stuff. But I feel like um, when it comes to Ghost in the Shell, it had a lot of, you know, uh, like stills or small snapshots of like the city that they live in and um, people running around and just like trash floating in a river with um, mm. music. I think that 
in a way that those are more of like dialogues as opposed to be intentionally like stunning visuals because like do I want to look at just trash floating in a body of water not really do I think that's pretty like no not at all but that's what I'm like forced to focus on and it's like that in a way is telling a story about the environment I suppose and like the setting I thought that was really neat that um at least at least the angle that I took from that was mm. cool. So, I don't know. As far as, like, I did think it was kind of boring. I will say that. And um, I wish there was more to say about, uh, like, AI and stuff past, like, beyond what the movie said. So, that's my mm. take. <laughs> I feel like I enjoyed this movie more than any of you did. Really? It's not a competition. I, <laughs> I win. Podcast <laughs> over. Yep. <laughs> uh, no, I love this. I don't know. Uh, I guess the things that stick out for me is uh, thematically. I mean, it's kind of we've we've seen stuff like this before, mm-hmm. but the thing I really appreciated was the strong symbolism. Uh, and it's not like it doesn't like really hit you over the head too much aside from all the dialogue stuff and the like talking about existentialism whatever but like in terms of like you mentioned Katie the like there's that intermission scene that's just like shots of the city and stuff and then there's like all these mannequins and then there's the garbage uh, in the water and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Uh, just like subtle hints um at the like character arc of uh, Makoto as Makoto, I've... yes. Uh, okay, uh, no, Motoko. Mato- Motoko, yeah, okay. yeah, it's the T first before the K. Yeah. All right. Um, her whole like uh, kind of, I guess I was gonna say journey, but that sounds cheesy. But I'm gonna say it anyway. Her journey <laughs> of like, you know, just individualism, I guess. Um, in just pondering the whole you know cyborgs uh and their individual thoughts etc and i don't know i just i really liked it a lot it's beautiful the imagery i like a lot and yeah i don't know it just for me it was you know really good for the like what an hour 20 minutes it had Mm -hmm. uh it was really efficient and got its points across in a way that I really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, should we tackle specific points? Alan, I, you told me you had point, some points you wanted to talk about. Yeah, well, so my thing is that this falls under the, I guess, the umbrella of a lot of films of this type where it's trying to warn us about something. Like, ultimately, this this movie is like, hey, there's things to consider as we advance technology faster and faster about how we disassociate from ourselves and how we allow other entities, be they corporate or uh, personal, to encompass who we are and change who we are. Um, and I, like for me, the scene that, that worked the best for that had nothing to do with Matoko or uh, her partner. It was actually um, the character early on who, um, who doesn't realize that most of his past and his like wife and his whole history with his family uh, was implanted in him. And he's sitting yeah. in the interrogation room and they're like, yeah, you know, you live in a one room apartment and you've lived there for 10 years and you've never had a wife or kids. And just like 
the the primal terror that is realizing that your memories are all you have and if your memories are false then you have no past like just just like to really right. sit with that idea on like a philosophical level that nothing you have thought about in the past Matt existed none of it was real and everything was was put in there by someone else and in this case someone you know with the case of the puppet master uh who's very deliberately like is the puppet master american is that the kind of thing that they were getting across yeah. That's interesting yeah. to me. There's something to say there as well. Yeah. About how different cultures are coming in and kind of like changing the way that people think um, for better or for worse. You know, then you can just kind of talk about the ending with that. Um, but I'm curious, like, if there were other moments, because that, that interrogation scene was probably my favorite scene in the film. Uh, that and the elevator towards the end um, and the final scene. Oh, those are like my three. <laughs> but I'm curious what y'all like in terms of, yeah, like you said, moments that people that stuck with you. I mean, the scene you just said really scared me, actually, to be honest, because um, I was like, well, I mean, what do you have of yourself if you don't have your memories? Like, how do you define who you are if you don't remember anything about who you are? Or, like, what what is the point of reference? I don't know. That would be terrifying, I think, if somebody was all of a sudden like, hey, you know your whole life? Yeah, that's not actually real. And uh, sorry, but we can't help you remember who you are either. Yeah, it's very important that they're never portrayed as heroes, the two main characters. They're just kind of doing their work and mm-hmm. and trying to exist. And sure, we're supposed to like the major herself. She's interesting. She has cool invisible camo. Um, really, really love all the tech in this film, by the way. The invisible camo, the guns that kind of like collapse upon themselves. That's like classic what people think of when they think of Ghost in the oh, Shell. Oh, the suitcases. Yeah. The oh, suitcase the guns. suitcase guns. Those were cool. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's the thing that I like a lot about a lot of sci-fi where um, the technology reflects something about the society. Like they don't even make normal guns anymore and they don't like make suitcases separately from guns. They just make those together because you always need some sort of weapon. Um, and just like yeah. that, like fusion of technology and, and uh, quotidianness. <laughs> the idea of a suitcase gun is, is really interesting to me, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I really like the intermission scene, as we mentioned, uh, the scene where, uh there where she's swimming and they have that like whole exchange i really liked um i don't know i just like so much of this movie <laughs> but if you're not if you're not into like the whole cyborg becoming human and pondering life thing then this movie is probably not for you <laughs> uh i don't know it was kind of my jam How about you sean yeah, I'm, I, I mean, I like everything that you all are saying, um, mm. and I do like I do like the film. I, I think, <laughs> um, I don't know. I I've been trying to figure this out for a long time because I also didn't like you know Ex Machina. I really disliked, mm. um, like I said, Blade Runner. Um, these are movies that I like. Ninety nine percent of the rest of Earth likes, yeah. Uh, so it's it's difficult. I just I don't know. I I really feel like it has more to do with with uh, with that storyline, I guess. Right with with that idea of like I. Let me ask. Let me ask you. Uh, anyone who who feels like answering, what? Uh, I guess what is the interest um, in a character like the major pondering her 
humanity or lack thereof? Like, is it interesting to you because you're kind of identifying with with that pondering or or like what what's the interest there, I guess? Um, well, for me, I think it's just an interest in. Well, at least from my perspective, I really appreciate the development of technology. Like when I did go to college, I was majoring in uh, like biotechnologies and stuff like that. So I like prospects of the future and the potential of AI and um, like how that would be developed as well as like how it would develop itself. Um later on and like what are the implications of creating an AI and like would that be for self-serving purposes and would we uh, like try to come to understand the perspective of the AI that we create for ourselves kind of thing Um, so I always think it's really interesting to try to like tackle those topics at least from that perspective because I want to know what other people think and like if this sort of technology ever, you know, became commercial or a big development, uh, what other people see and what they think about that and how um, it would be perceived nationally, I suppose. So Mm. I like to see it in media um, because I'm like, I love robots. So (laughs) rights for robots, you know, that sort of thing. I feel like, uh, yeah, because I'm interested in some of that stuff, too. Like, I feel like the movie Her um, mm-hmm. talked a lot about, like, at what point at what point AI kind of has feelings, right? And, and at what point do we, I guess, hold those kinds of entities accountable for the feelings that they have or don't have? And I'm sure I'm tiptoeing around this because I don't know who uh has seen that movie or not i've seen her i have not all right so i don't want to i don't want to spoil anything but like but yeah i found that movie interesting like in that sense i think uh i think with ghost in the shell specifically i i feel like motoko is the most like human person in this movie because Mm. she's the most introspective Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm And like, I feel like once that's kind of established, once I feel that much of kind of a a kinship of humanity with that character, I'm not like I'm not as interested in the questions anymore about whether or not she is human. Right. Because I've already kind of like established in my mind that I feel like she is. And and like outside of that, I'm not sure what else to kind of get from it. Does it? I don't know if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, Yeah, it makes total sense. So, I guess for yeah. me, it's always just like a capitalism fucking sucks. Capitalism <laughs> breeded this person into existence. And uh, a lot of the androids in the movies that I've seen are very naive and look at life as this like beautiful thing, which we, ha- we should. But the systems that we live in don't really allow that. Everybody, Everything is fucking depressing and we don't really look at life as this like beautiful thing that we should cherish but these robots do uh and i guess that's kind of what i see in it hmm. is that this like man capitalism is the worst and we should get away from all this bullshit uh i don't know yeah i can see that 
I feel like the major is so like she's, she's so Zen Buddhist in this movie where it's like <laughs> I know a lot of stuff. I know how to do a lot of stuff, but I also have a lot of knowledge of the outside world and of myself. But also, like, if I'm going to die, that's cool, too. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, I think that's. Yeah. And like I said, I, I, I feel like if I if in my mind I saw the major as more of an android and I was like. Well, I wonder, that's really interesting. I wonder how this character is getting these feelings and like, what do they mean? Like, I feel like that would give me a lot more turnover in my head. But in my head, I'm like, that's that's fucking human. Like every single thing that that character does is so human. And like even the the military people and the capitalists in the movie like feel foreign to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think that's intentional though? Yeah, I yeah, I I do. Actually, I, I definitely think that that you are supposed to identify with the major before anybody else in this movie um even bato like bato they go out of their way to to say that you know bato is he's not cybernetic in the same way that the major is he's more like human brain but most of his body is robot at this point uh but i mean bato like and i it's hard for me to separate like this from the other movies and stuff that i've seen uh of ghost in the shell Right. So, yeah, so this this might be a thought that comes from things outside of the film itself. But like Bato really. At the end of the day, Bato is like extremely jealous of the major's humanity mm-hmm. and like can't can't quite. I mean, not in a way where he, he is um, antagonistic towards her or anything like that. Like he's he's basically in love with her in a like a non-romantic way um, because because he recognizes her humanity but he also like he like a lot of these kinds of characters a lot of these single-minded like killer dudes he he has kind of like intentionally disconnected from that same kind of humanity so it's not that like he wants to be like the major it's more so that he he's jealous is the wrong word but he he admires Mm -hmm. how much she can be like him but also be like she gets to toe the line a, yeah she's both she's like this totally cold-blooded killer but also like so in touch with her humanity and Bato has no qualms about being just a cold-blooded killer especially in, in the other um films but uh but yeah so anyway point point being that like even Bato who is kind of the the second most human character like looks up to the humanity of the completely cybernetic character which is interesting, but um, but yeah, like I said, I I I I don't know. I I mean, I feel so much of the same way about Blade Runner, about the questions of you know who who is uh, a replicant in in that movie and who's not. Like I mm-hmm. I don't kind of care <laughs> mm-hmm. because like the characterization, um, the characterization kind of overrides that question in my opinion. Like if I see the major as human even though like they're presenting to me a robot like then i i really don't know if i'm saying this in a way that makes any sense but like yeah that character is completely that character is human to me the same way that like any any character maybe i'm just being too meta cuz i was going to say like <laughs> that character is as real to me as like sam malone from cheers which is to say like neither of them are real at all you know what i mean mhm then okay, by the same token, what do you think of the puppet master? Because uh, he's not like sent. He's not like a 
he doesn't embody anybody. He's just like this yeah. program, right? So how do yeah. you feel about that characterization? Great question. Uh, I think I think the puppet master is also extremely human, in the sense really? that the puppet master, yeah, the puppet master is like super super jealous uh, in a way that like, yeah, jealous is the right word there. Like jealous of the major because of because of what those aspects of introspection and humanity allow her to be. Mm. Um, and like, there's an emotionality to the puppet, to the puppet master, right? It's not like, I think it's presented kind of as this whole, like, well, we're going to merge cause we're going to be more powerful and stuff. But that last scene, like when the puppet master is really trying to convince Kusanagi that this is best, like it's a very kind of manipulative emotional gambit. Um, mm-hmm. more more so than than like a tactical or or uh, or calculated gambit, right? Um, and so I kind of yeah I feel like yeah I guess that's how I feel. <laughs> See, that's interesting because I have a very different perspective when it comes to the puppet master. Mm. I thought of him as more of like uh, I don't know. I think of him as more AI than human. Um. Mm-hmm. But I do understand what you're saying when you say that he seems to be jealous. And I think, like, for me, his jealousy seems to stem from the fact that he can't, like, reproduce and die. Like, he's mm-hmm. just a, a program. And um, he feels like he can't fully be human because he can't reproduce and die. Because, like, you know, if we're talking about, like, actual science, when it comes to defining what life is and what is alive one of the requirements is that they can reproduce and can die. So, yeah. and I also thought it was cool because um, the, the scene is in like a evolution museum type deal with yeah. like dinosaur bones and mm. yeah. uh, like the, the tree. God, I, the word eludes me Methuselah? right now. But the, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I constantly so. keep that word in the back of my brain bank. <laughs> <laughs> right, thank you thank you for that but yeah you. um so you know there's that going on and i feel like i guess the reason i i think of him as more of like technology as opposed to human is because his his desire to be human is so rooted in like my understanding of science because mm. he's like my understanding of humanity is not defined by consciousness or whatever. My understanding of humanity is defined by being able to reproduce and being able to die. And I think like in a way he was kind of telling the major like, Hey, I know that you want to be human and I can like sense that because of like how you project your consciousness and stuff. Um, So how about we reproduce and die that way you can, can all get everything. So and and merge and do all that. So I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Like I wonder how because it still feels to me like it requires a certain amount of humanity to want those things. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I I ha- maybe I have trouble seeing where like a line of code would make that leap to being like because a program can know that that's what makes something a living being but for that program to then want that is a little confusing to me there's 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 little more human than wanting something you can't have in a way that is like the most human aspect 
Right. And so that's why I agree in a way that the puppet master is inherently human-like. Uh, but then this movie just tell like every character is a meditation on that question of what is human. And like you said, Sean, that's yeah. every movie of this, every like transhumanism movie, video game, etc. Um, I also just wanted to bring up the third character in that kind of like period, or I guess fourth, if you include the puppet master, uh, of like who is the most human, um, is the character the dude with the revolver. Yes, the dude with the revolver, yep. revolver ocelot, if you will. Uh, <laughs> he's yeah. he's fascinating because he is technically the quote-unquote most human because he has the fewest amount of cybernetic parts in him uh but in a way he he also felt very robotic because he just talks about his gun a lot and just like kills people and shoot <laughs> he's like oh i got my gun and yeah. that's my weapon and this is the thing i love and now i'm gonna shoot people and that's my job and they say oh we hired you because you're the most human and it's like there's some there's an uh sort of like tragic oxymoron to that statement uh that, right. I, that I found interesting. Like, that character yeah. is, is actually the worst or the least human because uh, he's attached to an object. And that's like, and he's well, that, attached I, to a goal. I think the, the interesting thing is that, like, if you, if you take the major and puppet master, and then there's another villain later on in one of the movies or something called The Laughing Man, if you take all of these, I guess, villains or threats or whatever you want to call them, then that character is more human in the sense that like what they're saying is that humans can actually be controlled, right? Like these, these AI things like puppet master, like I think in the context of these films, robots are not easier to control than humans are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. And that's part of the, you know, the, the idea that like ghost in the shell is an inherently Japanese story. Um, has a lot to do with that because you can in Japanese society it's it's already a social norm for people not to kind of speak out and to follow orders and all that kind of stuff so for us like coming from a United States perspective we I think we look at these kinds of things and see you know replicants and all these all these other kinds of cyborgs and stuff I think we see them as like inherently slavish to some degree uh, that certainly was one of the themes in Ex Machina but if you watch a movie like this and it's from the Japanese perspective where, you know, you don't have that streak of like American um, independence, I guess, or like or, or e egoism, basically. Right. That whole like I'm a fucking badass because I drink Mountain Dew instead of Coke and I got this leather jacket and this awesome toaster oven car that I customized a hundred different ways like th this idea of like being like so highly individual <laughs> that like if you're not so individual that you're offending someone then you're actually just a sheeple or something you know like mm -hmm. you don't have that in japan um so so it like coming from that culture it's the reverse like the ai is the is the thing that's scary the ai is the stuff that that is inherently uncontrollable because people are already under control if that makes sense mm-hmm mm -hmm. Ugh. Plus, they got nuked, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That'll that'll fuck you up. I always like just just to touch on that briefly. I always think it's interesting when you like uh, talking about like the differences in uh, monster movies and like how media has developed uh, in Japan versus in America. And I think mm. like uh, a lot of it comes from like how we see uh, nuclear technologies and threats because like uh 
contamination like nuclear contamination in america like it's like oh hey look it's a superhero it's the big guy (laughs) he went into a power plant and now he is big strong and he protects us whereas like in japan it's like hey nuclear contamination made this giant monster and is destroying all of our cities wow i wonder why that perspective is so different (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's true it's so true so you know so much of Japanese media can be traced back to that moment. And just, yeah, the idea of disassociation from the self also. Like, think about how Mm -hmm. many people were either in the, like, experience, were there for that event or that knew or had family in that event. And then to just have them not exist anymore. Getting back to that idea of memory and that idea of, like, Mm -hmm. history being wiped off of the map. Um, I think Japan is a a country that very much values its history and, and they have a common anxiety about this losing of the past and losing of the culture, which I think, you know, a lot of us can relate to, but it's still something inherently that you see in so, so, so much Japanese media and kaiju films and et cetera. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really like, it's, it's frustratingly paternalistic for people in the United States, including me, right? Like to, to sit back and say, well, I completely understand this piece of Japanese media because there is zero way of understanding of what it not. means to have been nuked. Like there's, right. it's just not possible. Um, and no other country in the world has gone through that. So, you know, like it's, it's absolutely specific. It's, there's nothing. Yeah. There's no way of, of, uh, of understanding it outside of that lens. You can understand it to a certain degree, but like to, to really, I don't know, to project to project the American non-fear of being nuked into existence or nuked out of existence because you have experienced a part of that before is just kind of odd, (laughs) to say the least. Yeah. Ooh. (laughs) Come on, America. Got really heavy in here. Always comes back to nukes, man. That's the fucking thing. I'm I'm just swearing a lot again. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) nukes and camps these are the things that like that i've been dealing with for the uh i i tweeted something um because i'm that irritating asshole who talks about tweets that he that he writes uh but this was like this was months ago and this guy there's some journalist who like posts these like photos from history and it's not one of those you know accounts that that posts the uh whatever sometimes inaccurate a lot of times inaccurate photos from history but like you know an actual journalist right and like he he tweeted um he tweeted one of those photos of the mushroom cloud from from the air mm-hmm. and you know on on the anniversary on december 8th uh no no sorry uh i can't remember the date december 7 is pearl harbor i'm getting the dates mixed up but like so he tweeted like one of those photos on the anniversary and then there are all, there are all these like fucking American assholes making jokes about nuking a country in in the replies, and I was kind of like, well, think about this. Like, I saw your account on September 11, and you didn't post like you know the photos of when the planes impact the buildings, yep. because yep. like that's fucking insensitive. Like that's horrible. But mm-hmm. you're what you're posting right now, and like not having a problem with all these replies because you're not in there telling people to fuck off. Like you're 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 not like understanding that this photo represents how many men, women and children that that just like were evaporated and then how many generations later who still had, you know, issues like their skin melting off for no reason. Right. Like I, I just don't understand. Well, like something 
I mean, being in the American education system, like this is just something that we've kind of never really, at least I haven't been taught like this is wrongdoing. I've been taught mm. that like this is something we should have done because there was no other way to stop the war. And then we just completely like gloss over the internment camps. And like I since you mentioned since you've been on this podcast, I was actually thinking about um like my biggest understanding and like genuine understanding of like Japanese internment camps was a book that my teacher read to us back in like fifth grade. That was called um, An Invisible Thread or something like that. And it was uh, by this woman. um, Her name was Yoshi, I think. I mean, obviously, this is so many years in the future. I don't have proper recollection. But (laughs) um, aside from that account, I have not had like any sincere education about Japanese internment camps. And so like I I very much applaud that teacher. And oddly enough, um, that class was like something it was like the advanced a whatever ap i don't know class where they would pull you out of regular elementary school and you would go get uh basically like custom slash harder material from this other teacher and she just uh selectively did that and was able to like design all of her own courses so i think it's odd that my biggest understanding of like World War II history related to Japanese people and Asian Americans comes from something that was entirely elective and not something that I was actually like sat down and taught in traditional school because it's like this is something we had to do this was national security and we couldn't have won the war otherwise so right well I mean you know like it's it's the same thing like native history is so whitewashed out of uh of um so much schooling also like it's just any atrocity that the united states like has taken on like even against its own people is just yeah you can't you can't have people knowing that stuff right because like america can't be bad happy thanksgiving Thanksgiving. (laughs) yep uh yep yeah at this point we could just have a conversation about the problems with the american school systems way that they teach history and how incredibly american we've done nothing wrong in white and yeah. incredibly white centric American history uh, and white world history. People. <laughs> Why they always gotta do this to us? It's yeah, that's you're you're all saying what I'm thinking. It's just like that's the way that we were taught. We never I learned about the bombings of uh Hiroshima and Nagasaki as like a thing that happened in World War Two at the end that we really regret. And you're like, no, but like there's so much about it that you didn't talk about. By the way, if we're looking for dates, August sixth and August ninth. Thank you years. so much. Yes. August 6, 1945. Yes, exactly. Um, um, like actual war crimes, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Of yeah. course. That the people who did it didn't get in that much trouble for. <laughs> like, nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> like, first of all, uh, civilians, right? Like, we're just going to touch on that fact. But yeah, nuking, right. nuking. Yep. Uh, just, Okay. Well, it was in the thing like the thing about it that I always find interesting is that the they said the reason that they did it in the locations they did it in was because they wanted to send a strong enough signal to like Europe uh, that like this is a weapon that you really don't want to mess with. So really what it was was one group of white people showing another group of white people don't fuck with us. 
by bombing the fuck out of some people of color. Out of some not white mm. people, yeah. 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 Good strategy. Oh, I'm so That's mad. That's literally what it was. Like, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It's like, don't, don't. <sighs> you know, it's like showing, it's like showing the other kids on the playground how, how tough you are not to mess with you by like giving a concussion. Well, like a third to, party, yeah. Yeah, to like someone else. Uh, and then, yeah, this is, and then we come back to our original point, which is why do, you know, people always are like, oh, Ghost in the Shell and like all of anime is about like cyborgs and bodies. And it's like, yeah, there's a reason. There's, there's one historical point that no one talks about that brought, yeah. that brought us all to things like Ghost in the Shell and Akira. Oh, yes, Akira and Evangelion yeah. and et cetera, et cetera, forever. And it's going to yeah. be in their history forever. And that's just the way it is because some yeah. people thought it was a good idea. Well, that's why it's so bullshit that like, there are American filmmakers saying, "Well, this is an international story, right?" Because or, or yeah. like or like uh, Motoko can be any race because she's a cyborg, right? That that's yeah. one of the biggest arguments I've seen. <sighs> yeah, well, the, no. the other one I've seen is like, "Oh no, she's white. Look how light her skin is." It's like, Look, what? She has blue eyes because no other race other than white people have blue eyes. Oh, fucking idiots! <laughs> Awful. Just the worst. <laughs> Yeah. Just the and worst. Like, well, but this this whole international thing like is so disingenuous too because like the reason why it's not an international story, the reason why it is specific to Japan, is because your forefathers fucking bombed them. Like you know what I mean? It's not like it's not incidental either. Can you imagine like just it's just one generation ago basically that like mm-hmm. these these assholes are saying like well it's an international story like it has it has no national boundaries when like. Your like that that specific person's grandfather like could have been the one like fucking nuking the country you know like it's so there's so much hubris to say that coming from the country of origin that did the bombing right mm-hmm. and it's like I don't know I I probably would not have felt so much animosity towards the live action if the director were not some just some white dude like um. I'm going to like draw a parallel to the movie uh, with Matt Damon about yeah, the, uh, Great the Great Wall, Wall yeah. because that is directed by a Chinese person. It has mm-hmm. got tons of other Chinese people. And at least we're not all trying to pretend that Matt Damon is a Chinese man. Like, <laughs> I feel like everybody is in some way pretending that Scarlett Johansson is like actually Japanese for Ghost in the Shell. Like, yeah. We're all like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, ScarJo, Matoko Kusanagi, the 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 white Japanese girl. Um, It's one of those. So uh, we're, well, she was she was one of uh, she was one of the only two people in the country in Lost in Translation. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the way the way the camera in Lost in Translation treats Japanese people is gross as fuck. Yeah. Like I don't know if you all have seen that movie but I like clearly it's it's centered on two main characters who happen to be white. You can kind of like put that aside. But like the the people are engaged with as background characters like in a way that's insanely dehumanizing. Right. Um, Cuz there there are Japanese people who speak in that movie where sometimes like you don't even see like their mouths moving while they speak, you know what I mean? Like it's just mm-hmm. there's something so odd about that movie. Um, so it is, I don't know, it feels fitting to me with her career, I guess. 
the, the <sighs> ultimate hilarious tragic end to this is that uh, the person who's writing the new Ghost in the Shell movie, um, who's Jonathan Herman, uh, is a white dude. And you know what else he wrote, folks? You know what's his other credit on IMDb? Straight out no. of straight out of Compton. Oh, oh yes. my gosh! This huh. was nice. Hollywood huh. finally found a white guy who can write ethnic things. So God, I'm so bad. Yes, they did it. Uh, I do want to talk about the trailer for two seconds while we're okay, wrapping up. All right. Sure. Uh, not only is it like obviously fucking racist garbage, but like <laughs> the least subtle way to handle the themes of this film. Just like oh, everybody's connected to something. Oh, who am I? And yeah. then she just like has sex with someone because I guess <laughs> that's the only way you can tell the stories by fucking someone. Yeah, because like, I mean, like you can't be human and you can't be connected to anything unless you've got your weenie in a hoo ha. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just what you don't need that there, and it's just it's so weird watching this movie with like a ton of subtle imagery, and you know it just has the fucking existential dumps whatever to just like you know scarlett johansson voiceovering the basic concepts mm-hmm. of the film of mm-hmm. all like shitty fucking pop music is playing over it just <laughs> on. yeah yeah I, I i will say though um i agree with all that i think what's going on that whole like everything's connected bullshit yeah i i don't know where that's coming from but some of the other stuff which is actually kind of interesting comes from the second ghost in the shell movie. yeah i was gonna mm-hmm. say that too yeah a lot of like um, the imagery that they use and stuff like that is not from the the original ghost in the shell yeah it's from uh, innocence right and the story in innocence i think is in my opinion like it's i like the story in innocence way more than i like the story in the first ghost in the shell and so that could be interesting i don't want to spoil it because it's actually very cool but um yeah, the imagery, like the the stupid like um, kimono girl with the robot face that opens yes. up, yeah, like yeah. that uh, that looks on its face like super super racist, <laughs> um, yep. but it actually is like very close to imagery from the second Ghost in the Shell movie. Um, it's racist in my opinion to put it in a trailer because of the especially after the the uh, the pushback against the whole Scarlett Johansson casting. Mm-hmm. To to have your only like imagery of an Asian woman be like an android is uh, tone deaf at best, but um, but yeah, I just want to point that out. So watch the second one. I would love for you. Yes. Sounds like Katie has, but the second one is really good. So we're, I'm gonna just slide into questions right now. Uh, Jackson asked us if we've seen the second one. Uh, well, no. there you so, go. <laughs> if you want to rave about the second one, Jackson would really like it if you would. Jackson wants me to rave about it specifically? I guess. Or, or just say I'll something I'll just read question. It. Have you seen, have you watched Ghost in the Shell 2? Please talk about Ghost in the Shell 2. It's so good. Note that was all in caps. Yeah. That's hilarious. So. <laughs> uh, Ghost in the Shell 2, in my opinion, is much, much better than the first one. Uh, but, you know, you can't have the second one without setting up the world that they did in the first one. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I would, if you have seen the first one and and liked it even a little bit, the second one is a must watch in my opinion. Oh, all right, I even want to watch. I even want to watch standalone complex now because the laughing man, the character you mentioned earlier, is like, I looked at a picture. It's such an iconic image. 
from a thing that I've never mm-hmm. seen before, and that's that's the I think the one of the villains or the villain of the show, uh, and I'm like I that's wow. So I'm gonna watch that second one at some point for sure, because I'm yeah. way more interested in this world than what this movie has to say. Not that I again, let's just reiterate, I didn't dislike this movie. I thought it was interesting as heck, but uh, mm-hmm. its ideas could be handled better, and I'm sure they are in the second one and the show. Yeah, the show is really good too. Just to point that out. Yeah. Yep. Sean, did you bring other questions to this? Okay, I have a question for. I don't, is this just for me? I guess it is because they just pointed it at me and then include the other tweet or, uh, so. handles in here. I guess so. Apparently, they don't care about y'all. Uh, really? Sorry. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to ask you anyway. I'll answer and then I'll ask. So, from sure. at Geek Melange, who is um, Mitchie Trota, I believe. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, who is a great human being. Uh, the question is, who is the comic book character, any character, who you wanted to be as a kid? Ooh. And the answer for me is Spider-Man. <laughs> and wh- who is the other people? Hmm. Ryan. <laughs> so my answer is weird because I haven't read comics at all until this year. So I don't see how that makes it weird, but okay. Well, it's not like growing up. I had a comic person. It's like now I'm trans and I have a comic person. (laughs) Uh, But I guess. Dang. Snot girl. Someone from snot girl's a brat, though. I like to be nice to people. I love snot girl, (laughs) but she's a brat. Uh, Someone from Jim. I'll be Jim. Jim's really cool. And she, yeah. I, I identify nice. with her a lot and her like social anxiety, even though she's like really talented and stuff. I don't know. I like gem. I'll, I'll be a gem. Cool. You're a gem in my eye, Ryan. Aw. Well, you're a hologram, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, they're all cool. I'll take it. Yeah. For me personally, I think I really always like Scarlet Witch. Yeah. You know. Oh, I love Scarlet so, Witch. Like, so I was actually very disappointed with how she was portrayed in um, the the Age Avengers movies. Because, mm. yeah, I don't know. Me personally, like having been, you know, like the the mental illness trash dump my whole life. I'm like, you know, I'm really <laughs> emotional. And uh, yeah, so is Wanda. So I love her and I would love to have superpowers where I can just blink entire worlds out of existence on accident when I'm freaking out. So... <laughs> I always really liked her. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I love Scarlet Witch. She's one of my faves. I, I have an easy answer for this just because I've, I've thought about this question constantly. Uh, it's Nightcrawler. It's Kurt Wagner from the X-Men. Uh, there you go. Well, yeah. Kurt is... It's partly who I am and who I've been, but it's more than anything. It's who I want to be because he manages to be the friend that makes people feel better when their uh, cultures are literally being drowned out and extinct. And he's and he manages to keep his faith and keep his positivity while also externally looking uh, like an outsider. Um, and mm. I kind of have the inverse problem of that, where my uh, Arab American heritage never shows to people, and so that's constantly been my like internal life that people don't see. And so mm-hmm. I don't know. I've thought about this a whole lot. I could write a paper about how Nightcrawler is my son, and I love him so much, and he's everything to me. <laughs> uh, but nice. yeah, that's my character. Nightcrawler is. Like, that's the character that I always pick if I'm playing, like, an X-Men video game. Yeah, heck yeah. That's, like, the first one. Yeah. I love Nightcrawler. Um, yeah. 
I have this whole thing about how when I was a kid, uh, this goes back to the Spider-Man thing. When I was a kid, I think I was about 10 years old. I, I was begging my mom to let me change my last name to Parker because, Aww. because like I didn't, and this is like, this is like origin story for woke Sean because like, <laughs> I, cause I wanted to be a hero so bad, but like there were no, like no heroes had the kind of last name that I had. And so I felt like changing my name would somehow make me like eligible to be as beloved and heroic as Spider-Man was. <sighs> but uh, Beautiful, Sean. N- not true. Only white people can do that. No. <laughs> I'm sorry you have felt that way. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So that's my backstory with the Spider-Man. Uh, and then the next question, this is the last one probably. This is from Katie Schenkel, uh, at Just Plain Tweets, who's also a fantastic human being. Um, and the question is, what's a book, movie, show, etc. you're really excited for in the next year, and why? Ooh. Well. Is the Black Panther movie coming out in the next year? <laughs> Simple. Right? That's that's 2017, isn't it? Lord willing, I on the creek don't so. rise, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks yep. is next year. Yep. Oh yeah. Super looking forward to that. Um. No, I just I just looked it up. Black Panther is 2018. I quit. Sorry. No. I Gotta come out with something new. <laughs> no, instead we get Persona Garnier. Five. Yes. Persona Five got delayed again, but I'm well. still gonna play it next year. Uh, Night in the Woods also uh, coming out in January. Ooh. Um. Trying to think of stuff other than games, though. Hmm. I mean, hmm. mine. Mine is a thing that maybe does not exist yet, and this is so. This is going to be spoilers for The Walking Dead. Anybody care? No, I mean I'm, it's all good. I've we're a spoiler okay. podcast, and I've talked openly about this. At least I don't know where you can find these thoughts, but how frustrated i am that the walking dead community finds it really really easy and cool to talk about spoilers publicly and openly (laughs) so we all know the character that died recently because it's become a joke itself but yeah go on right sure yeah i was tweeting that night about it so yeah i probably spoiled people but i don't give a fuck that's fine Um, (laughs) it was it was a watershed asian american moment so i feel justified um so yeah whatever movie steven yoon is going to kick ass in in 2017 is what i'm looking forward to Heck yeah. I want to see that man on a big screen for two hours doing whatever. Really? He was always my favorite character whenever I used to watch The Walking Dead. So I'm a little peeved and I don't watch it anymore. But he was literally my favorite. He needs to be a movie star. Like, he's a really fucking good actor besides being like one of the most luscious looking human beings on planet Earth. Those cheekbones? (laughs) Yama, yama. Uh, I just thought uh, Better Call Soul is going to come back. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then Sense8 Season 2 is supposed to be out next year. Please do it, Wachowski sisters. I believe in you. Please give me that. I need it. I think uh, Stranger Things is going to be back. I like that. So I haven't, I haven't seen it. I haven't That's seen fine. it. <laughs> I want to. Yeah. Wait, but... better isn't Better Call Soul? That's the... That's how we defend ourselves against charges of white racism <laughs> right is that what it was oh my right? gosh yeah, sure. i like that show a lot no it's there really was like good a t- i mean no i thought there was 
I thought there was a tweet that we I thought we had a conversation yeah. about this. No, we're not we're we're not racist against white people because we like Better Call Saul. <laughs> oh, right, we can like that's white our people. version. That's our version of having a black friend for white people. <laughs> I can't yes. be racist. I watch Better Call Saul. I watched Mad Men. I understand yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Is that? Oh, I think there's one more from. Okay, that's all I got. Uh, from uh, John Sway. Uh, oh yeah, there is she wants to know what Swain. you have against water. Woo! Well, <laughs> sit back, everybody. I'll tell you a tale. Um, oh my gosh! <laughs> no, I just I forget to drink water sometimes, and uh, <laughs> okay. and that happened today. And uh, John Sway is a troublemaker, so that's all, that's all that. All right. That's John fair. Sway is the writer of a, a comic book called Run Love Kill, which has a uh, female Japanese character as the lead, uh, and she is a badass. And uh, I highly recommend reading it. I'm just gonna plug John Sway here. Yeah, he's a very talented writer, and he's a fucking. I mean, he's a dick. Like he's not a nice person per se. I'm sorry, John. Um, <laughs> no, John and I are good friends. He, uh, so I can say he's a dick. Uh, and mean it. And so you should buy his comic book. Awesome. I think that's it. I think that's... I think that's a podcast. That's a whole podcast. Yeah, we've been talking for a while. It's been a while, yeah. Fire's okay finally starting to die down. Yeah. <laughs> we got to start packing up, start hiking back down. <laughs> uh, yeah, so no, I, Sean... I was flown in here on my helicopter. Remember how many Twitter followers I have? <laughs> <laughs> All the Twitter followers bought you a helicopter. <laughs> they did, because everybody knows being popular on social media equals rich. Yep. Yep. And your helicopter says privilege on it. Your helicopter says <laughs> says had privilege on no, it. <laughs> no, it, does, it says it says please retweet. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, Sean, where can people find you in your work and retweet that work? <laughs> uh, find me on Twitter at NoTotally uh, and visit the website NoTotally.com. From there, you can find all the other stuff, including the Patreon page and uh, previous episodes of the podcast. So if you like uh, things, I don't know, what what's, <laughs> what's my show about? I feel like movies, Maybe. I guess. Yeah. Movies, I guess. Soci- yep. Socially conscious. uh <sighs> Okay, I felt you're like selling I had a lot your of steam going into that promo, and then I just kind of <laughs> dropped right, out. You're selling yourself short, but I did want you to know that, like, your episodes on whenever you talk about race or you know, all the forty nine voices stuff and all that stuff is incredibly thorough, more thorough than I've heard anyone else who takes a stab at the social justice stuff uh, oh, through podcast. You. Your stuff is really. Uh, incredible and extremely thorough and you get you make sure that everybody is included and all this pers- oh, perspectives are uh, representative in a really thorough way and I really appreciate that and we're definitely going to need uh, that going forward uh, oh, so thank you so much I think highly of your show thank you uh, that's that's very sweet um, yeah no I it's it's been really really exciting to talk to so many different people um and and yeah i i like i'm the kind of person i never know if i'm doing a good job so like i I really appreciate that feedback thank you no problem uh alan where can people find you you can find me not asking for retweets because i don't need them (laughs) (laughs) oh oh oh. 
Oh, just kidding. I'll I have just like, go ahead and unfollow you then. I just have like eleven <laughs> followers. No, now I have ten. Um, <laughs> at t- twitter.com <laughs> slash Alan Ibrahim, spelled A L L E N I B R A H I M. I like how you nice. gave people the website address for Twitter, like they might not know it. <laughs> <laughs> Every plug I've ever done on both podcasts has now just been invalidated by Sean from No Total. <laughs> HTTPS colon forward slash forward, forward slash forward slash www dot. You know how many people say backslash still? Like it's it's infuriating. I don't think I know what the slash is. I don't know how the. the... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You're right though. Who just say weird. backslash? Because right. the thing is, like backslash is a whole different character. Yeah, like you won't get you won't get to the website if you put in a backslash. You failed your plug. <laughs> it's yeah, it's like factually inaccurate. Besides being really irritating, you can find me on Twitter at Taco Detective, <laughs> uh, and uh, that, that's t w i t t e r dot com <laughs> slash Taco Detective. That's spelled how it's how it sounds. Uh, one yeah. word, one word, all one word. Um, and yeah, uh, just wanted to say before we close out that uh. Obviously, things have been really rough lately, um, and obviously, escapism with media and video games and movies and anime and whatever uh, is healthy and good, uh, and getting on the podcast and just shooting the shit uh, for a couple hours is obviously really fun, uh, but that escapism needs to be balanced with some action in response to what's happening right now. Um, especially if you are a person who is in a privileged position whose lives is not as much as affected by this stuff uh, as our lives are. Um, So, you know, get out there, do some work, uh, organize, call some senators, um, just do what you can uh, to help fight and make sure that we are all okay, that we all get through the next few years because... it's going to be really tough and uh, just, you know, text your friends, hug your friends, tell them that you love them. Uh, just be there for one another because I don't know if I would be in the, the condition to record a podcast if it wasn't for the people in my life who I would be able to talk to. And you don't have, if you don't have anybody to talk to, my DMs are open uh, because I'm lucky enough to live on a college campus to have people to talk to. And I know that not everybody has that sort of support network. So if you ever need anything, uh, let me know. My DMs are open. And, uh, yeah. I just It's important to remember that you're not alone and that if we are there for each other uh, and if we take some action, we can get through this. And you're not alone. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think... That's all I have to say, unless anybody else has anything else they'd want to say. Team Litton. <laughs> Thank you. Be excellent to each other. Yes. Bill and Ted, right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think it's a podcast. Uh, go out there, do some stuff, but also have some fun too. Uh, and we'll see you all next time. Take care.
Percy New Gingrich's letterbox. Oh, oh God. It's just all Jason Bourne <laughs> movies, five stars. Oh. <laughs> have I said this? I might have said this on Twitter, but like if his last name, if that character's last name was White, those fucking movie titles would be so lit. <laughs> the White Identity. Oh, my God. Wow. The White Supremacy. The white Come on, guys. Oh, my God. Come on. The white Supremacy. You Come on. Wow. Wow. And then there's just Jason White, but we can forget that one. Yeah, that's yeah. like a guy who picks Isn't up prescriptions the, the at my pharmacy. White legacy. Fuck. Yeah. Right? Holy, I'm saying. Brilliant. I'm saying. 